Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi and Mississippi, for that matter, such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, listen, if you're a regular listener to this show, you know that over the course of over 800 conversations over the past three years, We've had a number of people from economic development, from the Center for Entrepreneurship at Mississippi State, from Innovate Mississippi to, you know, really dynamic and innovative entrepreneurs and corporate business leaders, nonprofit sector. We've talked a lot about the kind of things we need to do in Mississippi to improve this uh, state. Oftentimes, Access to the Internet is a big deal, and as a result of that, broadband has become a big part of Mississippi's future. In fact, it's it's a big part of its present. But I've said on this show many times, because you know I spent a lot of time in the Mississippi Delta, that until we ultimately are able to bring the rural communities of Mississippi up, places like the Delta especially, then Mississippi's always going to kind of hover toward the bottom. If you were to take the rural areas of Mississippi Delta sort of out of the numbers for a second and just look at where Mississippi stands, what you'll find is Mississippi's probably somewhere in the middle in, in terms of it's, it's comparable comparables related, related to other states in the United States. But we've got some challenges in the rural areas. And I've had people say over and over again on this show, and I have repeated it, that you know creating broadband access – it's probably one of the most significant economic development things we can do. But it's going to give people opportunity they would have never had. Um, I could just go on and on. It, it's important to the ability to attract industry to the state. It's important if we're thinking about the number of people who can work uh, remotely and uh, you know having that kind of access for them. But I could I could go on. But what I'm excited today to have is uh, Sally Doty, who is the executive director. Of the of the Office of Broadband Expansion and Accessibility of Mississippi Beam is the is the uh, acronym, but she's basically head of everything broadband in the state of Mississippi. Was appointed by Governor Tate Reeds, and I'm really looking forward to to getting to know her better this morning. But how you doing, Sally? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. So uh, you don't disagree with anything I said at the beginning of this show, do you? I, I say amen to everything that, that you said. And you know, I think we're past the point of debating the need for broadband. And when you say broadband, you really mean high-speed Internet, uh, just so everybody understands what we're talking about. But it, it is a, a necessity that really the pandemic made us more aware of. Um, you know, I think in, in past years there might have been some conversations of, Oh, everybody just wants to watch Netflix or play games, but that, that's not it. It is needed for all areas of everyday life and our economy. It is. I, I tell you, I go back to Steve Jobs and to think for, for a minute that this smartphone was, wasn't introduced until 2007. That's pretty amazing to think about it. 
Um, one of the things Steve Jobs did, I, I came from the digital media realm and uh, spent a lot of time studying Steve Jobs. And one of the things he said was that in his effort to create these devices, the the the, the smartphone as we know it today, the the iPad, of course, you know, they continue to crank out incredible uh, t- uh, other technology. I'm working off of an of an Apple. Uh, um, um, laptop as we speak. But one of the things he said is they're going to be intuitive. They're going to be so intuitive that uh, whether you're an elderly person who's never been around technology before or whether you're a one-year-old, you'll f- be able to pick up this technology and pretty immediately be able to operate it because it's so it's so intuitive. And now I have grandkids and I've watched my grandkids uh, work on an iPad at, at the age of one year old. I got a two year old now that can, you've put an iPad in front of him and he can navigate all over the place. <clears throat> it is incredible what it does. W- looking at it just from the point of view of, of being a learning tool, it's, you know, the, the, the capacity that, that young brains have to take in new information and take advantage of new technologies. I mean, if we want to advance Mississippi, if we want to really advance Mississippi, we need to get high-speed capabilities and these tools in the hands of every family in the state of Mississippi, no matter what your color, no matter what your socio-demographic situation is, everyone has an equal opportunity when technology is in front of them to sort of unveil what's what's capable in those brains. And when you look at it from that point of view, Sally, your job is incredibly important. It, it is. It is a big <laughs> job. And uh, my office, we were created by the legislature uh, in 2022. Um, I think April 13th, we're nearing our, our one-year birthday, but we really didn't get cranked up until July 1 uh, of 2022. So we've a short time in existence, but we have a big job ahead of us, and I've got a great staff, and we are blowing and going. Well, I think it was important to have this office, and we'll talk more specifically about the multiple framework of, of, of the office. But I, I, as you pointed out, one of the reasons why we talked a lot about it, we talked a lot about it, a little bit about it before the pandemic. Of course, the pandemic brought into, I mean, real clear focus why people needed to have the ability to work remotely, and especially in that realm, school being able to do education remotely. And then you had federal dollars starting to come down. You saw the Mississippi legislature start to really get focused on it. I had Senator Joel Carter on the show before. I've talked to the speaker about it with the lieutenant governor as well. But everyone was focused on it. I mean, I think if if you were going to try to get everybody together in a unified message, um, you may not have been able to do it as clearly as you were able to do it in sort of a post-pandemic or certainly in a pandemic scenario. And Mississippi was serious about it, weren't they? Exactly. I, I think the pandemic maybe helped us all, all realize the need and helped us all work together a little bit. And, you know, the need for high-speed Internet goes across all – it goes across socioeconomic lines. It goes across a lot of – you know, there's no Republican, no Democrat – you know, everybody's upset when their computer is just spinning and they can't get good service. So I, I do think we had a tremendous focus on it and really started back in uh, 2018. I, I was in the legislature at that time uh, with the Broadband Enabling Act and allowed our co-ops to go into the business. And then many of those co-ops got funding. So it, it's really been great to kind of see how this has progressed. And I've been fortunate to be a part of that. 
I'm a, I'm a Coast Electric customer here. I live on the northern shore of Biloxi Bay and the city limits of Biloxi. You would think that that would be Mississippi Power, but it's not. It's Coast Electric. And I've had Ron Barnes on many times. Ron's a very, very close friend of mine. We've uh, worked in the community together long before Katrina hit and certainly after Katrina very closely. And uh, to just see to see the rural co-ops get into the business, uh, you couldn't. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better partner. I, and then I think about my place up in the Mississippi Delta with Delta Power. And uh, as I mentioned before, the show started. We had an antenna Wi-Fi because of where our lodge was in in reference to the antenna. We actually had pretty good Wi-Fi. But man, watching them lay that fiber optics, I'm talking about Delta Power specifically, coming through the Mississippi Delta in places you would have never seen fiber laid before. That I I mean that played out. I don't how many thousands of miles, millions of miles, I don't know if cable's been laid in this state just in the past two or three years. It's got to be unbelievable. It is. I, I don't know the specific amounts. I, I do know that one specific program that was funded through CARES Act funding, uh, there was more than a thousand miles of fiber that was, was put out. Uh, I was at the public utility staff at the time, and that CARES Act funding uh, a, a program was, was given to the staff uh, for administration, and so we handled that from, from that office, and yeah, thousand miles. And it's all, all using the latest technology, you know. It, it is. It is. And that's what's important because, you know, we do have, uh, Mississippi does have a lot of unserved areas in the state. So when we go to serve those areas, we want to kind of leapfrog ahead. You know, we want to make sure that it's future proof, um, that the technology that is there will not be out of date in five years or even 10 years. So let's take a step back for a second. Um, you uh, you went you became a lawyer and uh, a mother along the way, but somewhere somewhere you decided you wanted to get into public life. <laughs> yeah. When did that, how did that evolution happen? Well, actually, that happened before I became a lawyer and a mom. I, I, um, I, I went to Mississippi University for women. I went to the W, and while I was at the W, there was a move to consolidate a lot of the universities. And so I spent some time at the legislature uh, on behalf of, of my school. I was a, gosh, 19-year-old. And I remember sitting in the Senate gallery and looking down and thinking, man, I really want to be there one day. And so it was always in the back of my mind to run for office and, you know, practice law, family, move to kind of a different area of the state. But um a seat came open when Cindy Hyde Smith ran for Agriculture Commissioner and left the Senate seat for Lincoln County. I, live, I still live in Brookhaven. Uh, that seat was open, and I said, "You know what? I'm, I want to run for it." So let's 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 pick it up right there on okay. the other side because we're at the end of this segment. But we're visiting with Sally Doty. She has a key role in the state around all things broadband, and we're going to be sort of zeroing in on all of those aspects here shortly. But when we uh, when we come back on. The the other side we'll continue our conversation with Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgolfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I enjoy doing this show because it gives me the opportunity to meet new people. A lot of people on this show I've worked with in the community for many years. A lot of emerging leaders I don't know or didn't know, and now I've had the opportunity to do that as well. But I didn't know Sally Doty. I mentioned to her before this before the uh, show began. I remember reading her name. But uh, but anyway, she's she's had several iterations in her life. And when we were talking before we went to the break that she was involved in a leadership role relative to Mississippi University for Women. And while she was in, in the Capitol, she looked down and said, you know, one day I would like to be there. And an, an open seat came available and we went to break. She mentioned she ran for that seat. And how did it feel to jump into politics and have to go through the process? <laughs> Uh, it, it's a bit of a, a shock to the system, but uh, I, I was, it was so exciting to me and to really have an opportunity for public service kind of on a, a larger scale. I, I'm an attorney. I practice law, but at the time I had taken a couple of years off to spend time with my children and been involved in a lot of volunteer organizations. So, you know, which, which are great, you know, grassroots organizations but in you know working with my elementary school what i realized is you know as a legislator my goodness to have the opportunity um to have input on a statewide basis was was just incredible so i uh, loved my time in the legislature i I loved it or else i hated it sometimes you know it's all, all rolled into one but it was such a tremendous opportunity and i just appreciate anyone who will put their name on the ballot and who will serve because it is a tough job. It yeah, it's uh, see, Sally. The interesting thing, and we've I've had many, many legislators on on the show, and we've talked about it. They all kind of describe it the same way. It's kind of a love hate relationship because what drives you into the public life is the fact that you want to get something done, but the legislative process, by its nature, is a relatively slow process. And the and the reason it's slow, I mean, that's democracy in well, action. Is to keep bad things from happening. You know, I mean, it's it's just it's even great bills sometimes takes multiple iterations to get through the process. And for you, you 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 um, strike me as being someone who is very can do and very results oriented. And I bet that was very frustrating for you. It was frustrating, but when I arrived and was sworn in and. After about the first month, I realized that was the way things worked. So I set about working on things kind of behind the scenes, supporting perhaps older, more senior, maybe not older, but more, you know, more senior members of the legislature, you know, taking, I'd take the 500 page bill if I needed to, and I'd be the one handling committee. But, you know, I, I wanted to, to help move policy. And so I'm glad to work in, in whatever capacity. But it's been very interesting to me. I've been out, I left in 2020. And over the past couple of years, I've had some bills that I consider my bills and things that I've worked on that now have been passed and come into fruition, even though, you know, I first maybe introduced the bill five years ago. So it, it is, it's a process. It takes some time and it's for a reason. Yes. Well, listen, it's uh, it's important to know the process and the way that you got to do it. And I, I was in looking at your bio, the opportunity to be a vice chairman of the finance committee, to be able to be chairman of, of judiciary. A, yeah. 
you know, that, I mean, you couldn't, I mean, those are two great committees to really understand how it all works, man. I mean, you're dealing with the money on one side and dealing with process and other really important things related to the legislature on the other. You, you probably had to realize when you were in that moment that, you know, even if you didn't stay in the legislature, what you're learning, you'll be able to carry that with you the rest of your life. It was such a wonderful opportunity. And, you know, it was difficult for me to step away from the legislature, uh, but I had this opportunity and I just, I felt like it was time. Well, you had, uh, as a sort of a prerequisite to your current role, having the opportunity to chair the uh, the Energy Committee and being involved in that, in what we just talked about with Mississippi Electric Cooperatives on their broad, broadband business what a great sort of foundation laid for you to be in the role that you're in today. Uh, hey, one other question about your time in the legislature. When you went into the legislature, it was uh, 2011, 2012? 2012. Okay, so how many women were in the legislature then? Um, about 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Um, there were. There's always been between six or eight in the Senate, more in the House. Um, so it's it's a small number. I wonder. I wonder when you talk to your 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 brethren who are still there, um, and the, this day and time, having a woman's voice in the process. I can't think of a more important thing. Just because we need diversity of thought and whatever. Do 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 you, do you see the legislature has evolved over the years to be more more aware of that reality? Well, we don't have increases in the number of women who are elected. In fact, I think we may have had a decrease. And I believe that is due to kind of the divisiveness that we have among our political parties. It is also due, I think, to the rise of social media, which just makes it so difficult. You were called nasty names for, you know, and, and it's it, it's very difficult. And I think our women in Mississippi, we're all... We're all very family oriented and not not that the men are not, but women are often the caretakers. And, you know, it's hard to make that decision to put yourself through that sort of scrutiny and not only yourself, but your children as well. Yeah, and your family. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's tough. So I, I, everybody who's watching that, you know, when you call your legislator a scumbag, I mean, let, let's think about it. You know, let's let's kind of think about what you're saying and, and, and perhaps say I disagree with your position. And maybe not make it quite so personal. Well, Sally, it will will, um, not surprise you to learn that as a publisher, you know, you think of a publisher of a newspaper, the the kind of input that I got, uh, especially later in my career as we led major strategic initiatives, change efforts in communities, I was often a big time target. And so I know, I know what it, I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to be in that position in the social media world. And I've said on the show many times that people are willing to say things when they're sitting in the quietness of their bedroom on their, on their uh, smartphones that they would not say to you in person. They don't think about the ramifications of it. And I, the other, the other part of it, which we've had full shows here on Kosio about, because again, I came from digital media. I understand how algorithms work and the social media piece of it works is that when you have conflict in social media world, uh, they're not working to sort of diminish that conflict. They actually, by the way, the algorithm works. They're trying to turn it up. They're wanting to. They're wanting to pour, pour salt on the wing. So, when, to be in public life today, you have to have incredibly thick skin. 
it's just the reality of it. And it's tough. And I think I think your perspective is actually really important, actually, that that some people, principled people who care deeply about what their family thinks and about what their kids think and so on, it's um gosh, it can be tough. And it, it, you have to make huge sacrifices, way more than you would have made before social media came along. Um, huge sacrifices. And I, I, I often say, you know, used to somebody might be on the front porch and say, oh, that, you know, say something about you. Well, now it is on social media and it lives forever and it can be shared and shared and shared. It's just, it's a tough yeah. environment. But uh, I, I had three older sisters, so I had very thick skin. Yeah. Yeah, well, good for you. Good for you. And I I also do. If I didn't, I'd be in serious trouble. But yeah. you know, the thing the thing that always kept me grounded was that I have a wonderful marriage. I have an incredible wife, Anne, who's been a, just a great supporter of mine throughout our marriage. And three incredible kids. And I always said that with all the noise out here, I never lost sight of what was most important. And that is when I got home, my family was all that was important. I didn't try, I didn't have, I, I had friends that I knew through my business, hundreds and hundreds. Uh, but my core friends never changed, you know, through the successes in my life and even into retirement, the core friends are exactly the same as they always were. I didn't, I never got, I never got hung up in the, the celebrity of the big jobs that I had along the way it was never that important to me. But it's, you know, it's, you have to, you have to be willing to do that because at the end of the day, it can be very, very tough. So look, you, uh, you come into this role at having been uh, appointed by the governor uh, in a way, given all this that we've talked about, it was sort of the perfect foundation for you to, to move into that. You put, you had to have been excited about this opportunity. I, I was extremely excited about this opportunity. There was some, you know, as the legislation made it made its way through the House and the Senate uh, last year, um, you know, I, I didn't quite know where it would land. I was at the public utilities staff at the time. I was the executive director there. And for a while, it looked like it might be there. Um, but I think it really is good. It's a, we are a separate entity underneath the Department of Finance Administration, but a separate entity. And I'm able to devote all of my time and energy and resources. And I think as Governor Reeves said, he said, I want somebody who wakes up every day and their number one focus is how do we get broadband out to all of Mississippi? And uh, having that clarity of focus really is important. So uh, I'm glad we are where we are and we're, we're working. Well, Sally, I, th I'm, I agree with the governor, and I agree with you that, I mean, it could have been under the Public Service Commission in, in that arena, but the reality is it's too important that to have it as its own office, which is typically, you know, the, the, the Department of Finance, this is this is where organizations like this would fit in. Um, I'm, I'm thrilled they did this because it makes a statement that, that broadband access is really important to the state. Hey, when we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with Sally Doty about all things broadband in Mississippi. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to CodesView. If you think about the evolution of conversations that we've had here on CodesView about broadband, broadband access, and efforts by Mississippi to make broadband accessible, high-speed internet accessible to every person who wants it in the state of Mississippi and what it really means to Mississippi's future, then um, you can understand why this conversation around creating this new office, BEAM, BEAM is the name of the office, but it stands for Office of Broadband Expansion and Accessibility of Mississippi. And Sally Doty, who's joining me now, is a new, the first executive director of that organization. She was appointed by Governor Tate Reeves. It's a separate office in Mississippi, which, as we were saying before we went to break, really important, actually, because it makes a statement about how important this is. You, we, we don't want any noise. We want you, Sally Doty, and your team focused on reaching the goal to do to do as much as and as good a job with broadband access in this state as as we possibly can do given the money that's available to us. So anyway, um, you come in, you get appointed, and you have to start from scratch. So what do you do? Tell me about that. Well, I did bring uh, two or three employees with me from the public utilities staff, so it wasn't totally from scratch. And and those were uh, positions within the telecommunications uh, portion of the the public service. Uh, it's really not the commission, so I was at the staff. But uh, telecom really, um, there's not much regulation now. We had been involved in more working with high-speed internet, so. It was kind of a natural transition over here. So that, that helped my transition. But, uh, you know, I had to hire people. We didn't have computers for a while. You know, we had to work through some of the bureaucratic hurdles that you have. Uh, we are on some, uh, we have kind of a, our office space is a bit disjointed. We're in the Wolfolk building, the state office building that it's, you know, we share space with the, uh, let's see, it's the Board of Psychology has their office right in the middle of our office. So we can stop by for some counseling if we need it, but it, it was a challenge to get everything up and running. And immediately upon us getting kind of our office situated, we had a lot of deadlines for this federal funding. We had to apply for several different planning grants. So uh, it was it, it was a lot all at once. But you, but see, again, administratively, you have to get all these pieces put in place. You have to build the foundation from which you're going to work because as you focus on all of these different components that are part of your goals, um, you got to have the support. You got to have the mechanism in place. You have to have the team focused on that goal. So it's a nerdy part of the work. It's a, you know, it's a sometimes difficult to be to do it within the guise of sort of how government operates. But once you get that done, then as you as you describe the goals that you have and what and how are you going to do those, talk to talk to us about that. So our goal and our, our mandate with federal funding that is coming down is to provide service, high speed internet service, to every location in Mississippi. And uh, there are a lot of opportunities. It's kind of a one time opportunity of funding that's coming out. And you know we will develop a five year plan to show how all of that funding will be spread across the state, develop a workforce development plan, uh, a lot of different parts of that. But that's the overall goal, service to everyone within the state and service that is affordable at, at some level for everyone in our state. So does your office actually help to administer the various tranches of money that are coming through the state? T tell yes. me, some, give me a sense of that. 
So I believe we have uh, four or five different grant programs now. So the upcoming program is called the Capital Projects Fund. It is some ARPA money. It is $162 million that will go for broadband access. And we are in the process. We've just closed our mapping challenge. We had a, sta a statewide map of eligible projects out and different providers could say, oh, yeah, I already cover that or I don't cover that. Or, you know, so we've, we've, we have kind of a very complicated challenge process. We've just finished with that. And, and part of my job has been to map the state to see who has service and who does not. And so we have been very involved in that and have a great contractor that's helped us through that. So CPF, the largest amount of money is BEAD, uh, Broadband Equity Access Deployment. It's about nationwide a 43 billion, with a B, billion dollar pot of money will be divided among the states based on your number of unserved and underserved locations. So that's why that mapping was even more important. Uh, we don't know yet how much money we will receive. We're supposed to know on June the 30th. I can't wait to find out. Um, but I think Mississippi, we will get close to a billion dollars. Some estimates have us getting more money than that. So we will see on, on June 30th. Uh, there is a, a program, BIP, Broadband Infrastructure Program, is a smaller program that we, our office actually applied for while we were at the staff. It's a $32 million project. We've got some of those uh, different projects going on around the state. Uh, there is a uh, digital skills and accessibility grant that really is uh, providing funding to close the digital divide in Mississippi, provide some funding for skills training, you know, whether that be um, how to, you know, very elementary, how to turn your computer on, use a mouse, or it might be how to use a spreadsheet, uh, how to use Word, different, different, all kinds of different resources. So <coughs> we have um, several different funding streams that we are working through. Several of them were still in the planning phases for that. For BEAD, we're in the planning phase. Digital skills and accessibility, we're in the planning phase. So um, we, we are, we have a lot on our plate. You know, when I think about the mapping, I can't imagine how, I mean, that's extraordinarily important. Um, we'll come back to the mapping in just a second, because I'm actually curious to see how far back do you have to go where where the mapping showed, especially in rural areas, very little accessibility, and where, where are we today? We'll come back to that in just a second. But it, what I'm curious about is, when you look at it and you see the progress that we've made in a very short period of time, how often do you go back in your thinking and say, man, if we had not engaged the rural electric cooperatives in this process as this like primary partner, where would we be? Yeah, they have been such a partner for the state of Mississippi. And, and really that goes back to that CARES Act funding during the height of the pandemic. It was during, I call it the COVID legislative session you know, the decision was made to put a chunk of money into broadband expansion. And I, I'm going to have to say, I wasn't very focused on that. I, kinda, I was chair of Judd A. I was in with some other issues. I was not involved in splitting up the CARES Act money. But it was very important. And in fact, Mississippi was one of the first states to use that money for broadband expansion. And we weren't quite sure that the feds were going to approve it. We kind of took a step out and, 
you know, our thinking was, you know, uh, they're not going to try to call back money that's really used for broadband expansion to rural areas of Mississippi. Let, let's, if it's within the realm of reason, let, let's go for it. So, so we did, but that was such an important step. Um, you know, we worked from co with Coast Electric from that time forward, um, provided them some grant funding and ju and just look at what's what's the, the fruition of what has happened with that money. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. Again, I think because of all the conversations around involving the electric cooperatives and the discussion around uh, broadband, that broadband was sort of top of mind for people. And then, of course, when then you get to the pandemic, and there's a screaming, compelling, very compelling case for action for creating access opportunities. And I think our state leaders got very aligned quickly, frankly, around putting, you know, very, very significant money toward that. And then as you start thinking about all these other buckets that you're talking about, a money that's coming into the process, it really gives us something to build off of. And, you know, this is an American conversation. Every, I mean, every state in America is, is I mean, can you, digital access, I mean, that's the key to the game in terms of education, in terms of opening minds, in terms of innovation and entrepreneurship and economic development. And I mean, the list goes on and on. Every state's talking about it. But Mississippi got on it quick and has really built off of it. When you look at those maps and you think about how much progress we've made in a very short period of time, I know you probably, because of the way your mind works, you see where we've got work to do. But just flip it for just a second and say, gosh, how much progress have we made? We have, and you can see my maps behind me in the window. Uh, you know, I'm looking at those maps every day, and and it really is incredible. And and as I talk to people about mapping, you know, I always preface it by saying, hey, it, it changes every day. It's changing because we are having so much build out in the state of Mississippi. Now, if you're in one of those rural areas, you may not feel like that, but but there is. There's a tremendous amount of build out, and there will be in the next couple of years as well. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Mississippi again. One of our one of our challenges is whether it be healthcare or broadband access or any number of other education, is that it's, we we uh, we have a lot of rural areas in the state. So getting getting service to truly all the rural areas, it is a job. It's it's we're t if you've do gone on back roads in Mississippi, you know what we're talking about. And, and laying cable for for fiber optics is um, is a is an expensive proposition to say the least. Uh, hey, when we come back, we'll have our final segment with Sally Doty from from the office of broadband in Mississippi, and we'll uh, we'll kind of clean it all up and have the conversations we haven't had yet. We'll see you after this. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I'm uh, really enjoying my visit with Sally Doty, who's the director of the Mississippi Broadband Office. And uh, as I often say, Sally, some of the best conversations happen during the break. <laughs> you know, it just as, as we as we're getting to know each other better, and uh, it's just, it's just been a real pleasure to get to know you better. And I, I can tell that you're 
just the perfect person for this role, not just because of your foundation that you've laid, but, but you have a passion for this. You, you, you understand the connection between the work that you're doing. And by the way, not all state agency directors have that direct correlation sometimes, but you know there's a direct link between what you do and the effectiveness of your office's work and the ability to, if you're talking about exponentially leapfrogging Mississippi forward, I mean, I don't know anyone who would argue against broadband is the fastest thing we can do that would help Mississippi just leapfrog from where it is today. Yeah, in so many different areas, too, in, in healthcare, in education, in economics. Yeah, it's such an opportunity. So our office, we have a real sense of, of urgency and administering uh, this federal money that's coming down, uh, you know, but but it is a process and, and this is not going to happen overnight. We are still, you know, there's some funding that's been approved and I often get frustrated because from DC we see tweets, you know, oh, internet for all is coming, but but it's, it's a slower process. So uh, bear with us, but it's coming and there are great opportunities for the state. Most things worth having takes time. It's just that's just the reality of it. And the good news is, as you pointed out in, in at latter part of June, you find out how much money uh, Mississippi is going to get. But but that you're talking about a, a kick in the butt. That's some serious money. It is serious money, and with serious money comes some serious planning. Um, and so we are engaging in that right now. We're gonna we're reaching out to our community colleges and and IHL to help us gather some data. We've got technical experts, we've got mapping experts. And, and so I, I think we really put together a great team um, to develop our five-year plan. Then we will have an initial proposal to get 20% of the money released. So we, we have a lot, uh, lot in store over the next six months. Uh, no vacation for me this summer, I don't think. Well, that's... Uh, I'm... <laughs> Still got to still got to have your time away to keep your your uh, batteries re ready to re revving and ready to go. So tell me about your team. What kind of team did you have to build? So uh, my deputy director is Kyle Brown. Kyle was at the public utilities staff with me and uh, really had worked on that CARES Act product that we did uh, program that we did in that capacity. Uh, Angel Stenmark had been uh, director of telecommunications. Uh, at the staff for several years. So she just had a tremendous uh, background. So brought them over with me and then, uh, you know, two or three other folks kind of rounded out. Uh, our communications director, Ashley Johnson, has been uh, setting up a uh, visit on the coast. I want to make sure we talk about. Uh, so we've got a, a small team. We only have six people. Uh, then we have a, a contract worker, uh, Angelique Lee, who actually, Angelique's on the city council as well, by Jackson City Council, uh, which we checked with the ethics board. It's okay for us to hire her. She can, she can do this. So uh, Angelique is working on our digital skills and accessibility uh, grant that we have. So we've got a great close-knit team and, uh, and, and, and then augmented and supplemented by our, our contractors uh, that are helping us. Yeah, which is which is uh, all across the state. So you have a broadband community meeting coming up on Wednesday, April the nineteenth at five thirty at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College at the Perkinson campus. What are you hoping to do there? So all of our grants require us to have community engagement meetings, and and I will tell you at first, I was kind of rolling my eyes and I was a check the box thing I've got to do, but we have now had about. Uh, 
50 community engagement meetings around the state. I've been to the Delta 15 times. And, and some meetings we have are small. Maybe they're with the Board of Supervisors or, or some aldermen and others are, are large where it truly is just community members. But community members who, who do not have access, they want to know and they want to talk about the issues that they have and they want to know what opportunities are coming. And it's, it's very important to go out into those communities and, and talk about this issue of bringing high-speed internet into their community. So it is, it's been very eye-opening. It's been very engaging um, as we travel to people around the state. Listen, every organization, every opportunity I got, both at this in my in my role as a publisher and in the community work, I coveted the opportunity to do do uh, community meetings because you learn things. You learn things you, you, know, you that you never thought that you would be thinking about. And people are smart; they have their perspectives and helps sort of. I don't know. It makes it for a better product at the end of the day, doesn't it? It, it does, and we need community input as we draft our our plan and we want to gather that data and and some people along the way we've been able to help now i tell people we're not going to intercede with you with the uh providers unless you've already called and you've already sat on hold but you know sometimes there is just some some issue that we're able to help out with as well so, so we're we are so, glad to do that so we're coming to our end of our time together but that's uh it's a broadband community meeting it's really important information incidentally so if you have a, if you want to know more it's wednesday april the 19th at 5 30 at mississippi gulf coast community college at the perkinson campus it's going to be at the student union there i'm, I'm sure you can just go search it and find out all you you need to know about it. But listen, Sally, it has been a pleasure to visit with you today. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this so much. We've, we've covered a range of topics, haven't we? We have. We have. This has been Sally Doty, the director of the Mississippi Broadband Office, and we'll have you back. I look forward to checking in with you from time to time. I would be glad to. I look forward to it. Thank you. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.